Welcome to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. Today on the program, our theme is farming. Later in the hour, we'll talk about an exhibit now showing at the USU Nora Eccles Harrison Museum of Art called American Farmer, which features photographic portraits in addition to interviews with farmers from across the United States telling the inspiring stories of the stewards of the land. Uh, we begin the program, however, talking about the AgriBility program. And uh, to do that, um, we bring in um, Randall Bagley, who's AgriBility of Utah Program Coordinator. Randall Bagley, welcome to the program. Thank you, Tom. Appreciate you having me here. Thanks for joining us. And we're also joined by Ned Nelson, uh, who is in the Cache Valley working in agriculture, I believe, Mr. Nelson? Yes. Yeah, still still trying to make a living farming. Okay. Well, well great. Good to, good to talk to you as well. Uh, so, Randall Bagley, uh, tell us what AgriBility is. Yes, I'd be happy to. Uh, AgriBility is a program. Our main focus is to help uh, farmers and ranchers with physical limitations and disabilities remain in agriculture. It's a program that started about 30 years ago. It is funded through the United States Department of Agriculture. Utah is fortunate to be one of uh, 20 states that have the program, and we have had this program consecutively since the mid-1990s. And it's a competitive program that's funded through a four-year grant, and currently we're in year three of this grant. Our services are free, they're confidential, and uh, we cover uh, the entire state of Utah. So I'm reading from some materials from AgriBility of Utah, you, uh, quoting you, uh, although agriculture is often considered to be an idyllic life, it is unfortunately also one of the most dangerous occupations. Uh, CDC reports that agriculture, forestry, fishing industry has the highest incidence rate of uh, non-fatal injuries and illnesses of all industries among the top for fatalities. Uh, somewhat dangerous industry. Uh, yes, it is. Uh uh, you know, it's an important uh, for our economy, but uh, it is a dangerous industry. Working with uh, farm equipment, and especially animals, is very dangerous. Another factor that plays into this is that the average age of uh, a farmer is quite a bit higher than that of the average person in the U.S. workforce. The average farmer in agriculture is about 58 years of age. Uh, which is about 16 years uh, higher than the average person in the U.S. workforce. Uh, so, Ned Nelson, uh, first, tell us about your, your operation there, I guess, uh, I understand, north of Smithfield. Okay, I'm, uh, I have uh, currently running about 60 acres at this point. Uh, we've, we've scaled back, plus I've always worked a full-time job so I could afford to farm. Yeah, I, I've tried a couple. I've tried a couple of times to uh, to rent more ground and and become full time, but uh, I was never able to make enough money to survive doing so. So uh, we currently what we grow is is forage products, either grass hay, alfalfa hay, or we do rotate uh, using a forage grain uh, type of a feed. I've heard that before that, that for, from from friends, um, you know, have to support my agriculture habit. I guess <laughs> it's it's unfortunate in some cases. Um, so th this, uh, I I don't know. This life gets in your blood. You uh, it sounds like you love farming. 
Well, it is. And I, I actually grew up in Logan, uh, not on a farm, although my family, uh, my dad was first generation off the farm. But uh, I used to always enjoy going out uh, and spending time with my mother's father on the farm out in Newton. And uh, that's, that's where my interest was when I became 13. Uh, I went out and went to work for a, a gentleman out in Newton, lived there with their family and, and farmed and, and farmed all uh, through the summers, all through high school. And then when I went to Utah State, uh, that's what I chose as my, my major was agriculture. And uh, because it, 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 it's a lifestyle that I very much enjoy. And uh, so you know, like a lot of people in, in agriculture, you're willing to give up a, uh, a lot of other things just for uh, for that lifestyle. It's often a, a very connected with family, right? Uh, you know, to pass down to, to sons and daughters and, and family working together. Well, generally that's the case. In my case, that isn't, isn't mm-hmm. so. I, uh, uh, I've, I bought my ground back in the late uh late 70s and uh and have had to to work to to pay that off and in my case my kids all uh decided to, to leave the valley they although three of them have stayed involved in agriculture but they moved up into the Idaho area where it's it's a little more of a serious agricultural uh environment yeah, yeah. Um, so around to Bagley, uh, give me the range of uh, problems that, that can occur. You, you, you Obviously, this is a dangerous occupation. You'd have uh, perhaps injuries. Um, and you mentioned uh, the, the, the median age for farming is quite a bit higher than median age for the rest of the occupations. Uh, what else? Uh, I guess illness comes in as well? Yeah, we, uh, we are very flexible on... Uh the many different uh, disabilities and limitations a farmer may have. Uh, we visit and uh, work with people that have back, knee, joint problems, arthritis, amputation, uh, vision and hearing problems, you know, just whatever uh, type of uh, physical limitation that slows them down. If there's a way that we can help them, we just uh, look at ways that we can do that. Uh, we try to provide uh, what's called assistive technology, and assistive technology is any type of device or equipment that's just going to make their job easier. Uh, You know, we're not probably going to be able to get them a new tractor, but if we can get them an extra step where they can get up into the cab of their tractor, uh, we can do that. Uh, uh, We work with maybe getting them a lift where they can get up into the cab. A lot of times uh, the suspension in the tractor seat may be shot, so if we can improve and upgrade their tractor seat where um, it doesn't beat them up all day, we're able to do that. Uh, Sometimes uh, uh, backup cameras or mirrors on their tractor can be beneficial for them if they have problems, uh, you know, turning their head or with arthritis. And so those are just some of the things that we can do uh, is help them um, uh, with assistive technology. And I need to mention that uh, we uh, unfortunately don't have the funding to do this, so we will work with other agencies, and mainly uh, vocational rehabilitation is who we work with, and they've been great. Uh, they've been very helpful, and so 
uh, we kind of work as the middleman and help uh, working with farmers and ranchers with disabilities, set them up with uh, working with VR, and then we will do an assessment. We'll find out what their needs are and see what type of assistive technology will best suit them. One of the factors, I imagine, is uh, just being able to stay at a job uh, folks generally love to do. Otherwise, they have to, would have to leave the field. Exactly, yeah. Farmers and ranchers, they're hardworking people. A lot of them don't want to retire. They enjoy working. It's in their blood, so they want to get up every day and just farm as long as they can. And unfortunately, some of them really can't retire. They don't have the uh, funds and means to retire at 62 or 65 like, like, like a lot of people. So uh, it's something that's important for them financially. I want to turn back uh, to Ned Nelson. Uh, so I should stress around the back that this, the services are confidential. I imagine some folks would not want others knowing that they're receiving services from agribility. Um, so Ned Nelson, appreciate you uh, coming on to, to, to talk about it. Um, so so tell us, you're, uh, are you receiving services, I guess, from agribility? And how is it helping you? Yeah, I, I, went, uh, I went to a, a seminar over in Brigham City um, a year ago, and Agribility put on a uh, presentation there of what they had to offer uh, to those who so are there learning how to improve our farming practices. And, and I come home, visit with my wife about it, and with my kids all gone, it's it's just me and my wife, and she she has been an important part of helping me get done what I need to do. And... Uh, so we contacted Randall and, and started the, the paperwork. And uh, I'm, I'm diabetic, and I, uh, I'm not as mobile as I really need to be to do my job. And so they helped me in acquiring a, a side-by-side ranger, uh, which has been really good for me and especially for my wife because it makes it where she can go out into the field with me and help me. And then they also uh, was able to give me a tractor seat because, uh, you know, it gets hard on the old back after you bounce out through the fields all day long. And so I got an air rights tractor seat, and that is, has been a, a real lifesaver uh, for what for what we're doing. So I, you know, the agribility program has really helped me uh, extend my life in in agriculture. And uh, you're not horribly complicated things, right? So some fairly simple things have helped you to to extend your your career out there, your life out there. Yeah, yeah. It's it's just it's just a matter of of making it more and it keeps it keeps it enjoyable to do the work instead of making it such a chore. Yeah, that that picture of you bouncing around the fields. Uh, if I guess if you haven't lived that life, that's one thing that you wouldn't. <laughs> focus on i could be hard on your back and your joints oh yeah very much so yeah uh surrounded bagley uh tell me some other ways that uh that you've you know maybe leaving names out of it maybe uh, talk about a couple more folks you've helped and and in what ways uh, yeah we've uh we cover the entire state our program uh, the way it's set up is uh, dr rhonda miller is our director and she provides guidance does a great job in running our program 
Uh, I kind of cover the northern part of the state. Uh, we have a resource facilitator, Connor Dyrene, that lives down in Gunnison. He will visit with farmers in the central part of the state, and Michael Porter uh, works with farmers and ranchers in the southern part of the state. He lives in Antimony, uh, two great guys. They're very knowledgeable in agriculture and helping farmers and ranchers. And some of the things uh, uh, we've been able to help people with is, uh, uh, you know, it can be a chore going in and out uh, of your uh, farm, uh, opening gates and closing them. And so there's assistive technology called bump-and-go gates where you just go up and you'll bump your gate with your truck or pickup. It'll open automatically. You can drive through, and then it will close automatically. So that's a real time saver. We've been able to help several people get some of these so they're not going in and out of their truck, and uh, just saves them a lot of time and chore. Uh, we've been able to help people with uh, uh, assistive technology called a calf catcher. A lot of times it's important to... Um, get the calves vaccinated at an early age, and that's difficult to do by a mother cow that may not want you to do that, so that can be a dangerous occupation. So there's an assistive technology device called a calf catcher, what you put on your UTV, where you can go up, uh, kind of catch them in a small little cage area. You can uh, vaccinate them and while being protected from the cow's mother. And, uh, and so we've been able to help people with... Uh, Obtain a few of those over the years. Uh, uh, Grapulator is a kind of an interesting device that helps farmers uh, pick up their small bales out in their farm. Uh, it, it really helps them, and they can load it up onto a truck. We've been able to uh, help a farmer get one of those just recently. Uh, a grain vacuum is another thing that uh, is important, you know, to avoid a lot of shoveling of grain. A uh, vacuum can help someone um, with a chore and uh, has been very helpful. So those are just a few items that we've been able to help farmers and ranchers with just recently. And I'm reading an uh, interesting story of a gentleman uh, in some materials at AgriBility. Um, uh, he's a gentleman who, uh, due to a mining accident, so that's interesting, in a, in a different profession, uh, his hand was smashed and, and suffered other injuries uh, including, um, I guess, subsequent arthritis in back and hips. So AgriBility helped him uh, to receive a UTV because he's no longer able to swing his leg over his ATV. So that's that, that's another example. Exactly, yeah. Uh, ATVs are great for farmers. They uh, help them get around on their farm uh, from place to place, but uh, they do require that you swing your leg over it, kind of like you would if you're hopping on a horse here, and, and that's difficult to do. You know, a lot of farmers and ranchers may have a hip or knee problem, and they can't do that. And so a UTV or side-by-side, -side, uh, you're able to access that, uh, getting in without having to swing your leg over, and it's a lot safer also. It'll have a roll bar and uh, seat belts, and also has more storage space. So that's a uh, upgrade that has been able to help a lot of farmers and ranchers, and we've uh, been fortunate to help several uh, farmers and ranchers receive one of those. We just have uh, two or three minutes left in this part of the program. Um, I want to turn back to uh, Ned Nelson. Uh, so uh, what's the future? Is continue farming your operation uh, uh, what, for, <laughs> forever? What uh, is the retirement in the future? What, uh, what are your plans? You know, I, I would say as long as I'm physically capable, 
it, it is something that I enjoy, and as long as I, long as I can enjoy doing it, uh, I I will will continue. And I suppose if if there are additional uh, things that happen with age, uh, agribility might be able to help there as well. Uh, yeah, I I hope so. Uh, but so far, I'd like to say what they've done for me up to this point is has made a huge difference in in my uh, being able to do my job. Yeah. Uh, so, Randall Bagley, uh, tell us how folks can get connected with AgriAbility. Yes, uh, probably the easy thing to do would just uh, Google AgriAbility of Utah. Uh, give me a call or send me an email. Um, we have a website. We also have a Facebook page you could uh, follow. And if you or if you know of anyone that has any type of physical disability that's currently farming in Utah, uh, we'd love to see if we could help them. We unfortunately always can't help everybody because of different uh, restrictions and stuff, but we do our best to see what we can do, and we would love to just see what we can do for everybody. The last uh, year's been kind of tough here with the pandemic, but uh, we're just anxious to get out and meet people and just see what we can do for them. And uh, just a parting shot here, uh, I understand Utah's one of only 20 states with this program. Exactly, yeah. We feel very fortunate and uh, happy to have the program. We hope we can continue to keep it. And it is a great program, and uh, and we have you know great farmers like uh, Ned here who are uh, productive, they're hardworking, you know, they do what they can to... Um, be productive, and so we appreciate uh, people like him in our community that uh, are willing to farm and ranch. Well, we appreciate uh, Randall Bagley uh, joining us, AgriAbility of Utah Program Coordinator. Thank you so much. Thank you, Tom. And uh, Ned Nelson, uh, who uh, runs a farming operation in Cache Valley. Ned Nelson, thank you for taking some time. Thank you, Tom. Appreciate it. Nice day. Uh, You too. Uh, After a break, we are going to uh, continue with the theme of farming. We'll uh, switch to an exhibit, which is now showing at the USU Nora Eccles Harrison Museum of Art. It's called American Farmer. features photographic portraits in addition to interviews with farmers from across the United States. And we'll talk with the photographer, Paul Mobley, and with Bolton Colburn, curator of collections and exhibitions at uh, Nora Eccles Harrison Museum of Art. We'll have that following this break. Support for Utah Public Radio programming comes from our members and Lynn's Audio Video, serving Cache Valley for more than 63 years, offering cell phone repair, sales, and service on brands like Sony, Yamaha, Samsung, and more. Located at 1655 North Main in Logan. Information at lynnsaudiovideo.com. Hi, it's Francis Lamb. This week, we learn why it should be our duty to eat more sea urchins. And really, it's a job you're going to want to do. We learn about a wild technique for homemade falafel, and internet superstar Allison Roman gets us going on ways to really make breakfast the most important meal of the day. That's The Splendid Table from APM, American Public Media. Tune in Sunday at noon here on UPR. I'm Susie LaFaelli from St. George, Utah. I listen to Utah Public Radio on my UPR app. Thanks for joining us for Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. The theme is farming. Uh, throughout the hour, we've talked in the last hour about the AgriAbility program. Now we switch our focus to an interesting exhibit called American Farmer. 
That's showing now at the USU Nora Eccles Harrison Museum of Art and features photographic portraits in addition to interviews with farmers from across the United States telling the inspiring stories of the stewards of this land. And uh, right now to talk about this, we uh, bring in uh, photographer uh, Paul Mobley. Uh, welcome to the program. Morning, Tom. How good, are you? Good, good, good. Ha- good to have you with us. We also bring in Bolton Colburn, who's cu- curator of collections and exhibitions at the USU Nora Eccles Har- Harrison Museum of Art. Bolton Colburn, welcome to the program. Oh, thanks, Tom. Uh, so, Bolton Colburn, first of all, give us the details. Uh, when is this showing and tell, and uh, how can people access the exhibit? Well, yeah, um, we have had the um, exhibition American Farmer up since uh, January 28th, uh, and it's going to continue through May 8th, and you can see it here at the museum um, every day except for Sunday and Monday. Those are days that we're closed, and um, we are open from 10 to 5 Except on Friday, we're open till 7 o'clock in the evening on Friday, and we're open to 3 o'clock in the afternoon on Saturday. But if you can't make it in to see the show um, prior to May 8th, you can go on the museum's website and go to the exhibition page and take a virtual tour of the exhibition. So that's a wonderful new tool we've developed uh, because of COVID. Um, so it's one positive uh, thing that's happened in, in the face of the uh, pandemic. We also have two companion exhibitions uh, that were built from the collection of the museum, which has got 5,000 works in it, um, to go along with American Farmer. And one of the exhibitions is uh, called Three Depression-Era Photographers in Utah, and it covers um, the, the photographs of Dorothea Lange, Russell Lee and Arthur Rothstein, um, as they were sent uh, by the uh, the uh, let's see, just pausing here. They were sent. They were sent in um, as part of the Farm uh, Workers Administration to document photographs and I mean to document um, the land and and farming in in Utah, and so we've got about 44 of the photographs of of their photo of, of what they took in and around Utah in terms of farming um, and the other exhibition that we have on view is barns cows tractors horses hay and farmers and that consists of works of art from the collection um, that deals with farming and there's a number of Utah artists that have uh, developed uh, landscapes with with that, that, that include agriculture in some way, and so that's an exhibition that consists of about forty works of art as well. All right, yeah, those are all available at the Nora Eccles Harrison Museum of Art. Uh, Paul Mobley, uh, you're described on your website as the quintessential portrait photographer. Uh, how did you get into portrait photography? Well, um, I was in high school. And I didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life. I was really struggling between being a musician or uh, thinking that might not be the best career choice. And I kind of started, um, I got my first camera from, uh, from my mom had bought me a camera for Christmas. And 
you know, I looked at it, and she said, oh, you should maybe try to take some pictures, and uh, my father did that, and so long story short, I ended up becoming the school photographer, the newspaper photographer, and that was a great way for me to kind of meet new friends and connect with people, um, because whether I was photographing the you know, the football team or the cheerleaders, I was really kind of getting around and I was the only, only photographer, you know, you know, in my class. And so it just, uh, I did that and then decided I liked that enough to where I had entered a Kodak, uh, scholastic scholarship, uh, contest and I won. And essentially that got me a little bit of a scholarship at an art school that I really, had heard great things about. So I figured I'll give it a try. And the next thing you know, I had got my degree in photography and moved to New York and did the starving artist thing and been doing it ever since. Uh, except nowadays, probably not so much starving. You you, <laughs> you may had found some success, right? Uh, including uh, photographing celebrities, everyone from Amy Schumer to, to Zach Brown. How, how did that happen? Well, that was much later in my career. I, um, I I did do the starving artist thing for about four years in New York City, and I uh, was was very fortunate to to get a chance to work with Annie Leibovitz, and that was kind of how I believe I understood or learned, um, at least the way I like to take portraits. And um, but. M- Probably 10 years ago, I think, I had gone from commercial work and doing my books, and I I think I got a call from an ad agency to photograph a celebrity at the time and did that job. And then uh, in that particular world, once you photograph a few celebrities, you know, it kind of blossoms and it becomes more and more and more and more. And so that's kind of, besides my books, what I have been focused on over the last 10 years or so. Uh, you mentioned your books, American Farmer is One, uh, which is uh, this exhibit is based on uh, Everyday Heroes, If I Live to Be 100, and American Firefighter. Uh, so a lot of interesting work. Um, I'm interested, what makes a good portrait? What What are you looking for, and, and, and how do you get that? You know, I, I find that... Um, I've used the term capturing the soul of your subject uh, for most of my career. And I think if, if a picture is honest and speaks to you or moves you, um, or as my old college professor used to say, Tom, um, if you want to know more about that person, uh, I, he had a great saying that some of the best photographs are the ones that leave you with a lot of unanswered questions. Um, So whenever I've taken a photograph, even if I was only given 15 minutes or an hour, I have to, I don't even take the camera out of my bag until I've sat down and, and tried to have a conversation, break the ice, um, notice the mannerisms of a person, um, because I think if you walk in, whether it's a farmer or a celebrity, and it's you've never met them, so all of a sudden you walk out and point a camera in their face, I think you, you have a high likelihood of not getting a, a great picture. You'll get a picture, but not a picture that, that for me, moves you or stirs some emotion. 
And I imagine maybe there are some folks who are uh, harder to get to that inner soul than, than others. Absolutely. Um, celebrities especially are very guarded. Uh, in many cases, they're just kind of going through the motions. So, you know, what do you try to do to, to, to maybe get them off that, let that guard down and, you know, maybe expose themselves or, you know, a little more of who they are. And, and the same thing really is with a farmer, because um, even though I feel I've gotten some of my best pictures uh, with ordinary people, Again, if you walk into a farm or a ranch with a bunch of equipment and, you know, most of those guys are not used to having their picture taken. So that's a whole nother uh, thing. I have found they, uh, I've always said farmers and ranchers are the greatest people in the world. Um, I've met some of the best friends I've ever had uh, working on this farmer book. So in very short time, if you sit down and have a cup of coffee with a farmer, uh, break some bread, as they say, you're very quickly, I think they will open up to you. And it's, you know, it's what we want when we're taking pictures, you know. And imagine this would be like a film director in probably several ways, but including this about uh, trust, right? You, your, your subject has to, has to trust you. That's going to come out. Okay. Yeah. And so many things happen, Tom, on the book. I remember, I was photographing a sheep farmer in Montana, and it was pretty early in the book. You know, the book took a couple of years to make. And the guy had such a unique face and had this old beat-up hat on. And I remember we were getting along great. Everything was beautiful. I made a bunch of pictures of him, and he was smiling and laughing. And I said, hey, Chuck, um, would you mind taking your hat off and let me get a shot without your hat? And he was almost frozen and I couldn't understand why, you know, and he was a little hesitant. And finally, after a little bit of, he, he finally slowly removed his hat and put it kind of on his heart and his hair was all matted down and it was just a, a spectacular picture, but it wasn't until um, later that another farmer had said, look, farmers and ranchers typically don't like to take their hat off. It's they're exposing themselves and, and the fact that he did that for you was a huge testament to, you know, that relationship and, and the trust he had in what you were doing. Very interesting, yeah. And and you as a kind of an outsider would not would never have known that, right? About about I the was hat. So green, yeah. Yeah, I was so green, you know, uh, in the beginning. So much of the farm and ranch etiquette, I stumbled and made a complete buffoon of myself. Uh, in the early parts of making this book, but I think that uh, as kind and generous as those folks were, uh, they embraced it even more because they could see I was a total fish out of water showing up, you know, to a ranch or farm with a pair of loafers on, you know, that kind of thing. And um, it made it even better. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, I always say, Tom, there, there's not a day that does not go by where I don't think about something or, you know, about that book or the people I met along the way. It was just a such a life-changing event, you know. Let's go along. I want you. I want to have you tell some more stories of, of these fascinating people. But uh, I'm interested, uh, first of all, uh, how did the American Farmer Project uh, come about? Well, um, great, great question. I 
had been at a point in my career where I was really busy um, shooting uh, advertising campaigns and just really busy day after day after day. I didn't have a day off for three years. And it's a grind. You know, photography isn't so physical, but it's a lot of mental where every single day you've got to go out and try to bring home the goods and make a beautiful picture, uh, especially if a company is paying you to do it. So um, I, I was at a point where I had gone like that for a couple of years, and I was physically a wreck. And I called up my uh, agent at the time and said, you know, I'm going to take the summer off. What? I said, I'm going to take the summer off. I'm going to go up to my cabin in northern Michigan. Uh, I don't even think I'm going to take my camera, and I'm just going to go up there and do nothing. And he said, okay, um, okay. Uh, hopefully you'll come back recharged. And I, I wasn't up there, Tom, for a week. I wasn't even there five, six days, and I walked into a coffee shop that I've been going to forever. And sitting across the room at a table were four farmers, all dirty, full of mud, you know, just filthy, dirty, drinking coffee. And I looked across the room, and I'm like, oh, my God, look at those faces. Look at those guys. And just right at that moment, I, I walked over to the table and said, uh, hey, you guys, um, my name's Paul. Would you, you know, I, I'm up here for the summer. Would you mind if I took your picture, came up and they all laughed and said, why would you want to take pictures of us, you know? And next thing you know, uh, I had photographed every farmer in the county that summer. So the idea of taking the summer off. But, but what happened, Tom, was the joy of going back to the basics of not taking pictures for money, uh, not being directed, not feeling the pressure of too many cooks in the kitchen, expecting this amazing photograph, just kind of how I started. A camera, a boy and his camera, and I, 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 it was such a joyful summer, and I just made pictures and almost fell in love with photography again. And basically, to answer your question, at the end of the summer, I had what I believe were a couple hundred really great pictures, and I just, they spoke to me. They were very, um, they were, there was just something special about them. They were honest et cetera, et cetera. And I thought, you know, this might be a great book. And I just took them in, took these contact sheets, as they say, into a couple publishers, uh, even without an agent. I was so naive, I didn't realize that most people get an agent when they do a book to, to shop that book for them. I just walked in off the street, and all four publishers that I went to see said, yes, this would be an amazing book. People need to appreciate and know where their food comes from. And so the next thing you know, I had a book deal to make American Farmer. And I was on the road for three years after that summer. Yeah, amazing, amazing. As we go along, we'll talk about uh, where, why you chose where you went and uh, who, you were, who you were looking for. Uh, before we go to break here, I want to turn back to Bolton Colburn. Um, what uh, stands out to you with the, from this exhibit uh, as you're putting this uh, together with, with Paul? What uh, would especially uh, struck you? Well, you know, I'd been looking at uh, Paul's images from American Farmer Online um, for a long time, and then the photographs showed up, and, and we began to install them. And, and what, what grabbed me uh, was something that Paul mentioned uh, to me before we unpack the show, which was, 
you're not going to believe the scale of these things um, and the sort of impact they have because of their scale. And um, the color, uh, the colors are very saturated in these photographs too. So they're, I mean, they're very um, uh, contrasty and, and vivid portraits that you know uh, kind of get, you know get you in an emotional way. So I was surprised by that. Uh, so tell us the details again, Bolton Colburn. Uh, people can see this, I think, through May 6th. That's right. Yes, yes. May 6th, and we're open, um, except for Sunday <coughs> Sunday and Monday, we're open um, every day. Uh, hours fluctuate a little bit. We are, we're always opening at, at 10 a.m. Uh, we generally close at 5, except for uh, um, Friday when we close at 7, and Saturday when we close at 3. And, and, and of course, a virtual tour on the website. And there's a virtual tour on the website. Yeah. Absolutely. And there's yeah. two accompanying exhibitions that help help support um, ideas about agriculture in uh, Utah and the western United States. Let's take a break. Uh, we are talking about an exhibit at the Nora Eccles Harrison Museum of Art, which is on the Utah State University campus. It's called American Farmer. features photographic portraits in addition to interviews with farmers from across the United States. And we're talking with photographer Paul Mobley and with Bolton Colburn, curator of collections and ex- exhibitions at the uh, Norakos Harrison Museum of Art. We'll have more following this. Support for Utah Public Radio programming comes from our members and Science Unwrapped in USU's College of Science. Presenting Molecules, Crystals, and Chocolate by Aggie Chocolate Factory Research Director Silvana Martini. Friday, April 16th at 7 p.m. on Zoom at usu.edu slash unwrapped. Support also comes from Silicon Slopes Magazine, a hub of Utah startups, business, and tech, contributing to articles and insights from the Utah community. Information on advertising in print and digital versions at siliconslopesmagazine.com. A few years back, our investigation showed that some private prisons were putting profits over medical care. Basically what you have in essence is people that are undertrained doing jobs that they shouldn't be doing. I'd close this whole facility down and I'd start over again. Now, President Biden says it's time to stop using those prisons. On the next Reveal. Saturday at noon on Utah Public Radio. You're listening to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. We're talking about an exhibit currently showing at the USU Nora Eccles Harrison Museum of Art called American Farmer. Features photographic portraits in addition to interviews with farmers from across the United States telling the inspiring stories of the stewards of this land. And we're talking with photographer Paul Mobley and Bolton Colburn, who is curator of collections and exhibitions with the Art Museum. Uh, so, Bolton Colburn, I'll start with you. This uh, segment, uh, are with the pandemic maybe easing a bit, are folks coming back uh, in person to the museum? Yes, especially um, uh, this last couple of weeks, we've seen a definite uptick in terms of our audience numbers. And, um, you know, it's great to see that. We, we're also getting some school groups to come in, so our numbers are jumping up there as well. Um, so things are improving in terms of the audience. Um, and, you know, I just, it, it's too bad that 
we had to open the show American Farmer in January when things were pretty um, sequestered. Uh, the museum was the first uh, public place to go to on the college that was reopened, uh, but we didn't have a lot of traffic for a long time. So I'm yeah. glad to see that it's it's <laughs> it's returning. Yeah, yeah. Uh, thank heaven for things like the virtual tour, right? Right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I want to ask a similar question to you, Paul Mobley. Uh, how was your work affected by by COVID? Well, for the most part, uh, and it's easing again, it was shut down. Um, you know, most of the celebrities uh, would uh, have pretty much gone into hibernation for obvious reasons. Um, so most of the shoots that, that I had had scheduled either got canceled or postponed uh especially you know six months ago i mean things are are definitely opening up now but there is still a um hesitancy um even with being vaccinated and where we are today it is uh definitely slowed as as bolton said but um i've been able to take that time and really kind of do a lot of uh archiving and studio organization and we're prepping for my next book which has given me a lot of time that i didn't uh i didn't have before uh but i certainly miss being behind the camera as as much as i was what's the next book can you reveal that sure it's called american warrior and we're going to be going across the country photographing military families um you know the uh, men and women who've served, and uh, some are singular portraits uh, and their stories, and some are the whole family. So um, we're in the, in the planning stages, but I'm, I'm really excited. Uh, I, I think it's going to be a great, great project. So you talked a little bit before the break about how American Farmer got started, started on a hiatus uh, in Michigan, um, where you were just inspired to pick up your camera again after feeling a bit burned out. Uh, so uh, photographing uh, farmers and, and I guess their families there in Michigan. So then how did it take off from there? And, and how did you decide uh, where to go and who to photograph? Well, once we had a, a, a book in place or a, or a contract to do the book, we uh, you know, did a lot of, I started asking a lot of questions and doing research as to what would be the best way to find the subjects. And uh, time and time again, it continued to go back to the American Farm Bureau Federation. That is kind of like the gold standard of, of organizations that most every farmer and rancher uh, is a member of. So uh, it's a funny story, Tom. I had called the director of communications there and um, sent him a note and said, we want to do this book. We don't want anything from you. We would just appreciate your assistance in helping us find subjects. And uh, I remember speaking to him, to him on the phone the first time. He says, oh, come on. I've seen a million pictures of farmers. I'm too busy. I can't do that. A, a picture of a farmer is a picture of a farmer. And I said to him, um, I said, well, would you be willing to look if I overnighted you some images? Um, yeah, yeah, go ahead and send them. And I thought, this is not going to go anywhere. But 
I took the time, put a half a dozen pictures in a uh, FedEx envelope and sent them to him, knowing I'd never hear from him again. And the next morning, I got a phone call, and he said, I've been working here 30-plus years. I have never seen uh, better pictures of farmers and ranchers. He goes, I am floored. Uh, What can I do to help you? So, you know, that whole idea that things happen for a reason and what's meant to be, I mean, like I said, from the start of this project to the end, it was a fantasy, you know, like such a great moment in my life. Uh, But anyway, at that point, what we decided was the best way to do it was once we had mapped out our routing, the idea was if you know you're going to go to Utah, if you know you're going to go to Florida, if you know you're going to go to uh, you know, whatever state it is, I will put you in touch with the uh, state Farm Bureau. So whether it's the Florida Farm Bureau or the Michigan Farm Bureau, and that person and I would then talk about where I was going. Um, so it was basically a handoff from the, from the National Farm Bureau to the State Farm Bureau, and then we would talk about what cities I was going to go. And typically this Farm Bureau uh, guys know all of their members. And there wasn't really a bunch of prerequisite. I just said, you know, I love interesting faces, and I don't want them to come, you know, on photo shoot day. I don't want them to wear anything besides what they wear every day. So uh, even though there was a lot of travel, I found there was quite a few subjects. I went to over 400 farms, Tom, and I look back on it. I mean, just to say 400 is tiring just to say it, but, you know... um, the subjects were great, you know, so it was kind of like that, where the where the State Farm Bureau would arrange it, we would do it in, in chunks of three, four months at a time, and, and, and that's how it went. I want to talk about a couple of specific uh, photographs, that, uh, starting with the, the cover uh, photograph for the book, and I think it's the main uh, photograph for the exhibition. It's called Dave Harris, Crane, Montana. Uh, Mr. Harris, there's wearing a blue shirt. He's got coveralls, a uh, cowboy hat, and uh, standing in front of maybe a barn, and he's holding a chicken. Yeah. You know, when you do a book, uh, even though um, I've talked to many photographers about this, is you think you know what the cover's going to be, or you have it in your mind, and it is never that. Uh, this was a... Last picture of the day, it was late in the day, I had photographed uh, Dave and some of his friends, and we were, we were pretty much wrapping up, and the sun started to get nice, and this is exactly what he was wearing, and I saw a bunch of roosters and chickens running around, and I said, um, hey, Dave, would you mind picking up one of those, I think he said it was a rooster at the time, and just, um, yeah, no problem. So... He picked up that bird, and that bird was flapping like crazy, um, and it wasn't until about 30 seconds into it where finally the bird just settled down into his arms, and I remember saying, Dave, just no smile, no emotion, just think about what you do and how much you love what you do and what a great life you have, and look right in the camera, and that's exactly what he did, and... That picture is about as unvarnished and unretouched as any picture in the book. That was just, and when it came time to selecting covers, 
we had about six or seven, and what the publisher would do was they would just, he would print each one pretty large size, and they just tape them up in the office in New York. And every day, as staff and, and guests and things would come through the office, they'd all say, hey, which one of these do you think is the best? And it was, if you saw the results, this picture was 10 to 1 to the other ones. And the fact that it was red, white, and blue and all of that, that was not planned, but it just it just worked out. Yeah, I was, I was trying to think what what is the expression on Mr. Harris's face, and yeah, I think you've described it. What what you what you asked him to to project? Uh, that, that sounds. Uh, pride. Yeah, it's pride. Pr- it's pride. Yeah, yeah. And, and the funny thing I'll add on that, Tom, is that we, you know, I I was looking forward to the day that I could call one of the subjects and tell them they made the cover, and I had called his wife, uh, Dave's wife, and let her know three or four days beforehand, and we wanted to surprise him. So the idea was we put a book in and sent it FedEx, and every time I would call, uh, his wife was usually in the room with him when the phone rang, and she'd get up and walk outside, which Dave told me after the fact. I kept wondering why my wife kept getting up and walking outside talking to somebody. I didn't know who was calling her. But when, when, when we worked it out to where I had called Dave, and right when he was on the phone, his wife put the FedEx package into his lap. And I said, hey, Dave, how you doing? And, you know, he had no idea why I was calling. And all of a sudden I said, you know, I sent you a little something. Would you open it up? And cried like a baby, Tom, when he saw it. <laughs> Oh, very good. Very Literally good. was was so moved. Bought, I think he bought three hundred copies mm-hmm. for himself <laughs> to give to all his friends and family. That's it's great. Just, what a great story. That you know, is, I mean, that's just, great. Yeah, that's the best. Yeah. Well, we are running uh, out of time. Want to give uh, a little time to Bolton Colburn to uh, tell us again the the details of the exhibit, and there, there are some related exhibits too. Right. Um, so you know, you can come to the museum uh, through May eighth and see the. Um, American Farmer Exhibition, along with two other exhibitions that we've curated to go with it. Um, and we're open uh, Tuesday uh, through Saturday, uh, 10 to 5, except for Friday when it's 10 to 7 p.m. in the evening, uh, and Saturday when it's 10 to 3 p.m. in the afternoon. And you can visit um, all the shows on the museum's website. Uh, if you click the exhibitions page and then you can click on the virtual tour, you can go into the exhibition and experience it as a virtual tour uh, if you can't make it here. So it's free to the public, um, and we encourage you to come and use the museum. It's probably the safest public activity um, available to you. Wonderful. Well, we just have about a minute left. Uh, Paul Mobley, I, uh, we don't have much more time, but 30 seconds maybe, other than just mention uh, a, a book that I'd, I'm definitely going to check out, uh, If I Live to Be 100. So you, you photographed centenarians. I did. Uh, very long story, very short, Tom. I went to all 50 states and photographed a 100-year-old in every state, uh, along with the stories of their life and the keys to long life. Uh, oldest person being 117. Um, 
was another life-changing project, which really started from a picture out of American Farmer. Um, so it was kind of an extension of that. Yeah, well, we'll uh, encourage people to check that out, along with your other books and other work. Uh, you can go to paulmobleystudio.com, paulmobleystudio.com. We've had with us the photographer for the American Farmer Exhibit, which is at the Nora Eccles Harrison Museum of Art on the USU campus right now, uh, Paul Mobley. Paul Mobley, thank you so much for joining us. You're very welcome, Tom. Glad thank, to be with you. Thank you. And Bolton Colburn. Uh, has joined us. He is curator of collections and exhibitions at the Nora Eccles Harrison Museum of Art. And uh, I'll mention here, you can find the Art Museum at artmuseum.usu.edu, artmuseum.usu.edu. Bolton Colburn, thank you so much. Well, thank you, Tom. I appreciate you having us on. And uh, thanks, everyone, for listening to Access Utah. Make an appointment with Public Radio's favorite family doc on the next Zorba Pastor on Your Health. It'll be a jam-packed hour on healthy living, including this recipe for... Thai basil chicken bowls. We always have a great time. So will you on Zorba Pastor on Your Health from PRX. Sunday afternoon at 1 here on Utah Public Radio. You're listening to Utah Public Radio, a statewide service of Utah State University and the College of Humanities and Social Sciences, KUSR Logan, KUSK Vernal, KUSL Richfield, KUST Moab, KCEU Price, KUSU FM Logan, also heard at upr.org.